Thank you for stopping by and checking out the Soul Motorcycling Podcast. Join us as we ride through tales from the road, have insightful discussions, and connect to the motorcycle culture. We're here to share stories defining what it means to ride a motorcycle. Our podcast brings you first-hand experiences that resonate with the soul of every rider. Whether it's the thrill of a cross-country journey, the serenity found on roads less traveled, or the family found among fellow riders, we capture the essence of these moments that define the soul of motorcycling. Explore with us as we discuss motorcycle history and the latest trends, and uncover the nuances of this passionate community. We will spotlight the personalities shaping the motorcycle world, looking at the diverse characters and influencers making this culture iconic. So whether you're a seasoned writer seeking relatable narratives, a new writer searching for expert insights, or someone who is just curious about the motorcycle culture, thank you for joining us on the Soul Motorcycling Podcast. Thanks for stopping by and checking out episode three, Motorcycles and Tattoos, Macaroni and Cheese, Butch and Sundance. You really can't have one without the other. One of my favorite people to ride with and get tattooed by is my friend Bobby Real of Wanderlust Inc. Co. I recently got the chance to hang out with Bobby and get tattooed. Take a listen as we discuss our passion for motorcycles and tattoos. Bobby shares his journey into tattooing and talks about his motorcycle influences. We also explore the connection between motorcycles and ink as a form of personal expression and freedom, as well as tattooing and the motorcycle culture. We chat about the differences between traditional and modern tattoo machines and the rites of passage of being an apprentice. Bobby also drops some advice for new artists, the importance of continued education and growth, and the impact of technology on traditional art. We wrap things up and discuss the commitment and preparation required in writing, embracing individuality, being confident in your writing style, and the importance of further training, and we give you a little bit of an insight of our own personal motorcycle philosophies. I really think you'll enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. Just over here, hanging out at Wanderlust Inc. with my buddy Bobby Real. Um, we're going to hang out. We're going to tattoo. Get, I'm going to get tattooed. And we're talking about motorcycles and tattoos and just all cool things. So thanks for hanging out with us and uh, we'll yeah. get started soon. Welcome to the show. <laughs> oh, there's the sound. You got it. Here we go. Dude, that sounds painful. <laughs> Not as painful as this into your shit. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh, man. All right, here we go. Just let it happen. So how long you been tattooing for, man? You fuck. What time is it? Yeah, no, two thirty. No, I'm just teasing. I know, right? It's your first, this first one. <laughs> my first uh, day. This is my twenty third year in the industry. Cool. Why'd you end up getting into tattooing? Oh, that's a great question. Or what path? What brought you to this path? You know, ironically enough, Japan. I know that sounds weird, but I'll explain. Um, so I started getting tattooed in 87 right. in Alaska from a guy named Larry Allen and uh, from Anchorage Tattoo. And uh, he, was a, he was a fairly unfriendly, 
grumpy biker dude, which later on, I fully understand why he was that way. Yeah. <laughs> now being in his position years later. But, um, you know, I let me back up. I've always been an artist. My parents were artists and, and they really, they put that, the gift of art in me, you know, a lot right. winters in Alaska had us inside doing, you know, arts and craft time has been extended by, you know, yeah. six months. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, so in natural progression, Hey, I want to wear art, you know, right. I'm old enough now. And let me, uh, let me start embellishing my body. Well, I got a couple of tattoos and, um, at this time I was commercial fishing Mm-hmm. And I was picked up by a company uh, to for a three-month excursion to Japan to work with our Japanese counterparts to get this vessel, this 150-foot catcher processor from Fukuoka, Japan, all the way back to Dutch Harbor, Alaska. Mm-hmm. And so I got lucky enough and, and made it over there. Well, little did I know that it would have an everlasting impact on my life, but went there and everything is art, art, art. The streets, the, even the manhole covers, man. I mean, you go up, sometimes just Google that. Look at, you know, Japanese manhole covers. Right. And they're, they're, they're embellished. All of it, it's art everywhere. And then we were there during the Fukuoka Summer Festival, which just art everywhere. All kinds right. of anything you can think of from ice sculptures with flowers inside of them, mm-hmm. you know, bees like suspended in the ice coming under the flower, right? Mind blowing shit. And it just had this indelible effect on me. Well, the last night we're there as luck would have it. We, um, right around the corner from our hotel was this bar called the Thai bar. And it's hot. It's a really hot day. I remember it because I had just a tank top on and my, you know, my tattoos were showing I had this half sleeve on my left arm and then my chest plate was uh, the first one I've eventually now been covered, but um, you could see it. Yeah. Well, bars are very small over there, you know. You, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, they're kind of personal and we... And I had made friends with the uh, bartender and uh, the bar back because the bar back was this gorgeous Japanese girl. And her brother, who was the bartender, went to school in Canada and learned how to speak English. So I thought, well, shit, this is a way for me to communicate with this cute girl. And it was cool. Right. So me right. and my boy Wendell, we go, and my Jamaican friend Wendell, go to this, this bar that night to have our last drinks and say goodbye to our Japanese friends. And, uh, these three gentlemen walk in about an hour after we're there and we're the only other people in the bar well they're in black on black suits this is like some movie shit dude black on black suits you know the one dude yep, in the yep. bunch is wearing uh-huh. sunglasses you know what I mean it's uh-huh. there's somebody but to me I'm this you know sure I'm this 20 you know 20 year old Alaskan kid that don't know shit you know about the world right well, they sit down at a table, and you see the bartender act like, really, he kind of steps too. You know, you can see him, his demeanor change when they showed up. And they said something to him, and I don't know if you know, but over there, you don't buy drinks. They, yep. You buy a bottle, and then they serve you. You uh-huh. tip them to serve you. Well, they, he brought this really beautiful bottle over. It looked like a... Like a cert, like bubbles right. on it, glass uh-huh. on it. Anyways, well, he brings it over there and pours him drinks, and they say something to him, 
and point over to me because I'm trying to, you know, eye jockey, ear jockey this shit and uh, see what's going on over there. Well, the bartender comes over and he goes, hey, they'd like you to join them over there. And so we both stand up. And one of the guys at the table is like, no, said something. And, uh-huh. and then the bartender said, no, just you, not Wendell. And Wendell kind of took offense to that. And I'm like, dude, come on, just let me see, see, let me see what they're all about, right? Right. I go over and they start asking me about fucking random shit. They asked me about blue jeans, you know, like Levi's. They asked me about sports teams. They started asking me all this shit. Well, the point ended up happening is when one of them reached across the table to grab his drink, you, his sleeve came up and right. you could see it was tattooed. Right. Like, fully uh-huh. you know at least it looked like it and so i was like oh i pointed and uh you know i said oh tattoo and he's all they you know by this time we've had a couple of drinks and sure. they're loosening up a little bit well he's all uh he buttons unbuttons his shirt a little bit and you can see he's got a full suit and he right. does this he, he unbuttons and he smacks his chest he says you know says something like yeah, that yeah yeah the night goes on i get so drunk because you just don't tell him no no exactly you know they pour me into a fucking cab. I wake up in my hotel right. about two hours before I'm supposed to get on the vessel to leave back to, yeah. to Alaska. And long story short, those guys were Yakuza. Yeah. Fucking, I, I, what, what's a Yakuza, right? I'm right. Like, okay. Right. Yeah, bless you. Uh, <laughs> and so the fucking, you're Japanese mafia, man. Sat yeah. at the table with them. You know, that shit would never happen in a million years no. if you tried it to. But no, exactly. the point was is, I went home with this story and told I went and got a tattoo because I was so inspired by their art. And I went and, and told Larry Allen, let me mind you, or let me remind you too, that Larry didn't say two words to me when we were tattooing. Right. He was just a, you know, mm-hmm. sit down, shut up, hold on kind of guy. And that's okay, man. Yeah, you know, you can't be friends with everybody, but sure. But I told him about this shit. This motherfucker comes unglued. I'd never seen him act so happy and excited about something. Right. You just hang on. I'll be right back. He goes to the back room and he breaks out all these books. Oh, nice. These fucking leather bound, really nice, like heavy, crazy looking books. And they're all of this stuff on the Yakuza oh, and nice. the Japanese tattooing and all that. Man, that's when I asked for my apprenticeship uh, again. Because I'm like, I want to I wanna tattoo. I want to do this for a living. And he hits me with $10,000. Now, mind you, this is 89. Uh-huh. You know, like $10,000. Like, yeah. what? Um, might as well have been 100. It might as well have been a, yeah, 100. That's exactly right. So I'm like, okay, cool. Well, no. Well, the desire never went away. I came here and uh, from Alaska in 91, the winter of 91. And from that point forward, I started looking for an apprenticeship. And uh, it wasn't until whew, almost 10 years later uh, that I that I found one. That's cool. And it was just cool, man. It, uh, so, yeah, man, that's what got me into it. I know that's the long version, but... Uh, no, that's cool. Know, um, that's really what happened, man, is I was affected by a society that just embraces art so deeply and richly and I really like the Japanese use of color in that oh my gosh yes bold uh, powerful very uh, strong you know even their delicate stuff is 
very powerful, you know? Yeah. And how ornate it is and that sort of stuff. And there's pride. You can mm-hmm. see those brush strokes and those line, the line. Yeah. That's pride. You know, you can see a, a nation of people that take pride in everything they do. And I, and I really, I think we've kind of lost that here in the U S right. And what I've also noticed too, is everything in the simple, it all has to do with harmony and yes. how, Whoa. how the art it depicts deities and, yes. and all yeah. that kind of stuff and how it has a very personal meaning to everyone. Oh, I agree with that statement, you know, which is cool. And it's kind of funny how you said your first tattoo artist was this old crunchy biker guy. Yeah, he right? was. And he rode his bike even in the fucking wintertime. This isn't a joke. Right. That guy would have the bike out there and he had this little, uh, like, a, you know, like a Quonset hut, you know, mm-hmm. those little yeah, yeah. thing. He had yeah. a Quonset hut behind the building and that's where he pulled his bike into. Now, mind you, you've been to Alaska, right? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> dude, this <laughs> motherfucker had balls of steel. Right. You know, studded tires on a motorcycle in the middle of winter. Nice. You ride home in the dark, ride to work in the dark. I know, right? So I think it's kind of fitting that years later. Yeah. <laughs> my yeah. life almost <laughs> you know, has some now you're an crusty biker. <laughs> the guy gets <laughs> out tattoos, right? I'm sure I'll be a crusty biker at some gotcha. point in my life, you know? Well, then how... Uh... That's how you got into tattoos. How how motorcycles come into your life? Oh man, ah, you got all the good questions. Um, hey man, I really gotta I gotta thank my stepdad for that. He was um, Buck was a just a tremendous guy, man. He worked up on the North Slope. He you know handmade knives. He was uh, he's he's a Renaissance man, you know. And uh, but he always we always. Um, and he kind of rescued me and my mom from being homeless. Yeah. And took us in. There were bike parts and bikes everywhere. Right. I remember staying in the first house. I was like, I was nine years old. And uh, I remember a coffee table. I was so blown away by this, but there was a, there was a knucklehead nice. under a piece of glass with some welded, like, <laughs> you know, uh, not a joke, like, yeah, a, yeah. like some rebar that uh-huh. was like made the frame around the motor. Right. And it was this fucking, yeah, that's what I ate my breakfast at. I stared nice. at a fucking knucklehead, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then downstairs was, there were frames and fenders and see just shit everywhere. And it smelled. I yeah. remember the smell to this day is that, that smell of oil and, you know, and yeah. exhaust and all of that stuff. But that was it, man. But he uh, he and my mom years later started an organization called Abate, at least a chapter of it. They didn't start the original. Yeah. They started a chapter of Abate in Alaska when a bike club that I won't say the name of uh, came up and tried to absorb the Brotherhood, which was Alaska's first bike club. Right. And... Because Buck is such a diplomat, such a rad guy, he had made a lot of knives for this said bike club, uh-huh. and uh, and so he bridged the gap. Nice. And in 1983, that club, everybody agreed to fly under the Abate, you know, flag because. The season's too short to try to, you know, like, uh-huh. you like we, got, we got one highway to and from the whole, the whole fucking state. Like, come on, man. Right. We fly your colors. We'll fly ours and we all get along. Right. I think since then it's changed up sure. there, but back then it was a big celebration. So they brought, we went out to this place called 
uh, Thunderbird Raceway out there in Eagle River, Alaska. And that club uh, paid to have Cheap Trick. I was, I remember, I'm like 13 year old kid drinking yeah. beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, hanging out, watching my mom. In fact, I got a picture of this. I'll show you that picture right there. The drawing up on the Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. of her. I took that picture out of a 69 Javelin with a Polaroid. In a line of like two, three miles of bikes coming out of Anchorage. Oh, way. cool. And we're in the pilot, you know, in like one of the cars that kind mm-hmm. of followed. And uh, I remember spending all that time just, you know, watching my, watching my stepdad just basically, you know, just go out and be a, just do his thing, man. Ride bikes. And that was it. It just, it seems so fucking manly to me back then, right, you know? Right, right, real man. He's a real man. You, they're not wearing fucking helmets, you know, no. and all this shit back then. And But yeah, I just remember being so about it. And then uh, on my 16th birthday, as luck would have it, my stepdad, he uh, got me a basket case. And uh, let me see. 49, 40, it was a panhead, 49, I believe it was a, a, 49, a 49 panhead, I believe. Right. Does that sound right? I think so. Uh, it's been a lot of, fuck, that's sure. 40 fucking years, but uh, he bought me this panhead and he said, uh, here's your first vehicle and if you want to you wanna go anywhere, you got to build it. Nice. <laughs> and dude. I'm looking at him like a deer in headlights, like, uh... <laughs> So over the course of two years, he helped me build that thing, and uh, my brother still owns it today. Nice. Yeah, it's still up there in Alaska. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's no reason for me to bring that thing down here. I'll get no. ran over down here with that thing. I know, right? But uh, suicide shift, you know, and, and uh, so that's how I got involved in vice. Is my stepdad? He he just uh, he was I feel like a great uh, mentor, whether he meant to be or not. Sure. You know, I just was this kid that just kind of idolized him and, and thought he was the greatest thing since sliced bread and him pulling up on that fucking root beer brown AMF. Remember the AMF? Uh-huh. Remember that? Yeah. Root beer brown uh, FLXR, I think is what it was. Uh-huh. And uh, it's just like, wow, you know, you hear the motor and you see mm-hmm. him all dressed in his leathers and shit and big old beard. And I'm like, this guy's fucking, that's a dude. That's a dude that's right a there. Dude that, right that's there, a dude yeah. that I want to be like. And all, yeah, and all of his dude friends that rode bikes were all these just like fucking mountain men, giant right. dudes. And I thought, I'm going to be that someday, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, man. Um, totally. I mean, I, I get that. I get that feeling like it's cool being on the flip side when I, like, roll up to the family functions on my bike and my nephew think he thinks it's the coolest shit in the whole oh, wide God, world, right. you know? Yeah, you might as well be a fucking superhero, right? Right. <laughs> in yeah. their eyes. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, whoa. In the sound of it. The and sound. Yeah, and it's yeah. funny that you bring the smell that, like, as, just, smell, as, as children, like, that's what we remember. It is, dude. You know? And then, so tell me about how your motorcycle life has evolved since building that first one. Oh, again. Jesus, man. It's, um, well, I had some bikes here and there through uh, the time I've been here since 91. And it wasn't, it, I didn't, because I was so, my head was so wrapped up in music, mm-hmm. it didn't really become a priority to me until later. Right. And then uh, in during the, uh, just before the pandemic, uh, I bought an 88 FXRS fully restored. Well, let me say this. 
the gentleman who sold it to me was one of my apprentices. Right. And he had it uh, 80% complete, and I paid for the remaining uh, 20% to be done and put some of my own little embellishments on it. Right. And uh, so that's uh, that's when I got started up again. It was uh, in 20... Yeah, when, when was that? 2018? Yeah, because that's when we first met each other. That's like, right. That's right when I, you had I that, said, right? Well, all these years I've been riding without a license. Here yeah, yeah, Here's yeah. how you and I met. You're right. Is right. all these motherfucking years I've been riding without a license. And I think, I'm not going to lose this bike because I don't have a fucking license. So uh, I remembered that Harley did classes. And I said, I'm going to sign up for this. And I mm-hmm. did that. I went and signed up. Uh, and uh, then yeah, I was lucky enough to meet you, man. And yeah. Honestly, you know. I know I'm not just stroking here, but I mean, you made it, even though the class was awesome, you really kind of, you catapulted that off. I, you know, anything mm-hmm. I do, I try to, you know, I do it a hundred percent and, 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 uh, all the, all the extra stuff, the writing, all the shit that we don't learn in the class and the, the little, Hey, make sure you get yourself one of these things, and, yeah. you know, and you might want to consider those, this and that. And that was you, man. Oh, so cool. I can, I can credit you with uh, the, the rebirth and reignition of my bike career. And, and, uh, yeah, man. So thank you for that. You're quite welcome. What are you riding now? I ride luckily enough. I feel blessed to ride a 2021 road glide special. That's been, uh, pretty modified i'm trying to build myself a performance bagger and nice. i think i'm handlebars and in an inverted front end away from yeah there you being go able to have that, yeah yeah you no, know, she's pretty you, slick, yeah right? so that's it man that's cool um you know i kind of did the same you know grew up uh-huh. that had, i had a little honda 50 from growing up but at the Fuck same yeah. time i was like i kind of could come from a little bit more of a dirt world and off-road scene okay <laughs> um my first bike my street bike I had was a, I, I traded, I had this fucking limousine, dude. It was awesome. When I lived <laughs> up in Tahoe. It had one hubcap, Slayer stickers on it. Uh, I bought this thing for a thousand bucks. You mean a real limo? A real limo. Like it actually, and it, believe it or not, it actually came from the fleet at Caesars in Southlake. So that's telling you how old it was, was when there was still a Caesars uh, in Southlake. Dude, that's right? crazy. That's cool though. And it was good. We had it and like literally for the first week we had it, we just parked it in a driveway and partied in it. We didn't go anywhere. So my brother was getting engaged and he needed money for a ring and I wanted a bike. So I swapped him the bike for the uh, bike for the limousine. And I was like, sweet. Now what kind of bike was it? It was a 1983 Honda CX 650 custom. Oh shit. So it's kind of like, it was like the old early eighties Magna and Suzuki intruder style. It was like a, it was deemed a muscle bike. Right. But, the cool thing about it, it was a V-twin, but the V-twin is mounted sideways instead of normal. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, so it's good. And, uh, my dad still has it at his house, and it's almost 100% restored, but no that was shit. a good bike. And then I sold my snowmobile, and I had a Suzuki Marauder 800. Which uh-huh. is, and then after that, I had a couple of v, uh, Yamaha V-Stars, and... You know, just acquired them along the way, and then I had my Roadstar 1700, and then from working down at Harley, the my, my Road Glide came in, only had 9,000 9, miles on it, so I'm like, okay. I'm going to swoop this up. And, okay, and this is the one you ride today. Uh-huh, yeah. Let me ask you, what year did you start with Harley-Davidson? I started in 2016, actually. I just moved back from Las Vegas, needed a little... Uh, 
life reset yeah, kind of employed yeah. for a couple months very cool and yep. then uh, i just wanted to have anything it was funny dude when i went in there i'm like you always see that they were hiring and stuff so i went in and applied to parts i'm like I'm, i can be down with this i'm, I'm a nerd when it comes to looking parts but i never had uh any experience with harleys per se and uh I didn't know what the alphabet was or like, find me this bike. And I'm like, oh, fuck, man. I don't know. I thought it was, I thought I was done. I'm like, I don't yeah. fuck this up. You know, anything off road, you know, I've raced dirt bikes my whole life and stuff. And yeah, there's a whole nother world. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then they called me back and I was their delivery driver and um, a porter washing and polishing bikes and stuff. And then uh, I got to, uh, they thought I had coaching experience from all my snowboard coaching and stuff. So that's how I got involved with the state program. And okay, cool, man. So I've been doing that. And turns out I taught over probably 650 classes, over 6,000 students. Oh, no shit. Yeah, did the numbers on it. Approximately, you know. Look how many lives you've affected, man. I think that's, that's pretty cool. You know, dude. That's rad, Chris. I think that's pretty sweet. Honestly, one of the main reasons why I ride motorcycles is from watching Chips from back in the day, dude. Fuck yeah, right? Like the original one. Dude, I just started watching that shit again from the beginning. Like, all the reruns. Oh, my God, it is so terrible, but awesome at the same time. Yeah, what's that guy's name? In it, uh, uh, Eric Estrada. Eric Estrada. <laughs> so cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny, but the motorcycling in it, you're like... <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Now, were they riding Harleys back then? No, they were riding the Kawasaki oh, KC KZ about eleven hundreds or whatever okay. they were. Arm up for me, and then back down. Cool. Wow. Okay. Okay. Which is cool, man. I'd love to get a hold of one of those. Things. Right. Right. Especially the old comp bikes. That's tight. That's cool, man. This always reminds me of Evil Knievel. You know. The- yeah. You know, the, the one, man, it's that, uh, that white leather outfit with the fucking, you know, with the, the stars and the one on the chest. And... I've got this, um, the, the lady who uh, does my dreads, her, her man is a stunt writer. And, oh, cool. And uh, he, this year, we're going to do a uh, Evil Knievel in Vegas back piece on him. Oh, nice, dude. Oh, my God. I'm serious. Remember the, the, did you have the little crank Evil Knievel motorcycle toy? Oh, fuck yeah. I have the zip uh, one, you know, yeah, the one yeah. you pull and you got the jump you mm-hmm. can set up. You had the one that you put in the little ramp that had the crank on it. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. had that one, but then yeah. I also had the, oh, the, the one that you, you put the tie in, you pull it, and the uh-huh. fucking back wheel gets cooking. You yep, fucking yep, turn it loose. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dude. I lit that thing on fire. I did all kinds of shit, too. And I took it outside yeah. and jumped it off on my bike jump. Oh, it's dude. So it's, so, it's fucking awesome. You know? yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, evil can evil. That's, That's awesome. funny how it all kind of comes full circle. Fuck yeah, man. Why do you think, uh, it's funny that you mentioned earlier that it was an old biker dude, but mm-hmm. how do you think that, uh, Association with motorcycles and pets. What, what's your thought? Oh, I don't know, man. I think that's like peanut butter and jelly, bro. Right, I, right. You know, I think uh, I, I, I tend to think that a lot of people who choose to ride, and this is just my opinion, but right. I think that we're, um, you know, there are a breed of people that are kind of, you know, they beat to a different drum, man. Right, they, right. Uh, they like the freedom, and I think. I think tattoos in a lot of ways kind of represents your own personal freedom to embellish your body the way that you want to and maybe showcase some of the things that are important to you or that you like. And not a, hey, let's be clear, man. This 
not every fucking, this isn't fucking Miami ink, you know, not every fucking tattoo has to have some great significance. Right. It can be because it looks cool. Right. That's right. my favorite answer because right. it looks rad. Right. But uh, I tend to think that that's what the connection is with bikes and tattoos is it's just a, it's just a, a another layer of leather, you yeah. know, another cool T-shirt. Yeah. You know, it's, it's it's just that, man. And it's, it's a personal journey, too. You know, it I mean, is. Like, I, I like riding this bike. I like riding that bike. And it continues with us like a bike. Rides continue. Yeah, the yeah. evolution of our body art, or the evolution of our ride career, you yeah, know, and yeah. our, our ventures. Yeah, it's funny. I was watching this thing, like, the, the tattoos that you get when you're young versus when, oh, when you get older. Right? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, this has, you know, like, when after I, after I turned 18, in like <laughs> the early 90s, right? Yeah. And what like, was your first tattoo? It was this one on my leg. It's kind of the tribal thing. With uh-huh. the jumping in a yin and a yang. You said dolphins? Uh-huh. <laughs> Ah. Yeah, dude. It's, it's, uh-huh. I gotta check that out. But it had all this meaning behind it, and not like you know when I ask people why they want to ride motorcycles, and I'm like, dude, just the fact that they're cool, yeah, that's yeah. fine. Like it doesn't have to be this big old fucking no, story it behind it. You get it, just like tattoos. It doesn't have to be some big long story. I mean, it can be, and I think sometimes okay over over time, the story. I don't know. It's just. It's, I don't know. It's like memory. It, it's like a. It's like a free a moment in time. It's like a snapshot. Yeah. You, can I tell you one of the stories? Not to, am I no, no, no. Go ahead. No, it's one well. of the stories I think from you that really intrigued me and that I thought was just really touching was like the the family the the, the dad that was passing. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, then yeah. he went to the class so he could have this last adventure yes. with his. Fuck, that was badass. Man. Oh yeah, dude, I always, dude, I'll always, gave, always it, it just gave me goosebumps. Yeah, I'll, I'll remember that always, dude. Yeah, dude, that was that was out of all the different stories. You know, you've had people, you know, coming out of the pen, turn their lives over. That's oh, that's you know coming out. Yeah, um, all this really really good stuff. But I think that's the one that just dropped me dead in my tracks, and I'm like, that's heavy, right? You know, because like the 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 girl was was struggling. And I'm trying to saying, you know, I mean, and I'm like, it's okay, you know, we'll get through it and get through it. And when the dude came over at the end of class and kind of explained the situation, I was like, damn, Shit. dude, I, w- I kind of wish you would have told me that beforehand, but I'm really? in a right. way I'm, I'm did it because yeah. I, I cared so much about this girl's success. I cared so much about this girl's success. For the, but yeah. now I understood the reason why, like, this is good. This could be one of the last activities as a family that these these three people get to do together and i've been i was like i'm so blessed and privileged to have them you're the guy giving them the tools i get to do do this with you it's like (laughs) holy shit yeah that's heavy bro like super heavy heavy. yeah and i think you know the i mean tattooing obviously as you've seen is different now than even it was 20 years ago oh absolutely you know what i mean it's so mainstream and you know, we've always kind of joked around that I thought that people getting hand tattoos and neck tattoos means that you just ran out of room or you didn't have any other place to put them. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? So now you just see people with just straight hand tattoos yeah. or like a neck tattoo. I'm like, yeah, my own opinion about you know, that, ever teach their own. I'm all, you know, I'm all right. for, yeah. hey, man, you do you and it makes no difference to me. But fucking right. 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 And right. It's in the same way with riding bikes, you know, there's stuff that I like, mm. stuff that I don't, but I ain't going to ever give anybody shit for nah. what they ride or how they ride or who they want to ride with and all that kind of stuff you know you know why you're touching about that 
I can tell you, man, there was a time. Yeah, there's a time I, I'm almost ashamed to say, but I'll, I'll admit it because I'm not without fault. That almost within the last few years, that I kind of like, you know, somebody rolling by on a fucking Honda or a fucking yeah. even a moped, right? And right. Like, fucking whatever, they wave to you and you're right. like, do some, yeah. you know. Now I'm like, hey, you're on two fucking wheels, right? I don't care how it is, and you're you're riding, and and that's the difference. <laughs> and, I, and I think what's cool is like your style of what you like as a tattoo or what you like as a motorcycle just kind of it goes goes it just evolves over time absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. boy I'll tell you that's a whole that's a whole nother good subject I, that was another thing with baggers, man. I was always like fucking old man bike. Yeah, you know? yeah. I'm like, yeah. what was I missing this whole time? Right. It was like I felt like a bear on a bicycle on that FXRS, and how it would wrap, and you could do all kinds of cool shit, wheelies, and all that. But man, when you get on a fucking bagger, man, that's like a home away from home. Yeah. You know, you got. Yeah, it's just you, I don't gotta fucking tell you, man. Yeah, you know, right. it's a uh, it's the shit. Cats meow. Careful moving when we're tattooing. Let's okay. see what do you do. You just do it again. <laughs> My bad. Let me move back. <laughs> I just don't want to make any crooked noise. No, you've got to quit making me fucking laugh. That's what you want. I don't know if that's ever going to happen, bro. Last time we sat there fucking talking like Jesus for an hour, my throat was like, goddammit. <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. <sighs> So like when do you when did you like you know the moment or roughly you know in the time frame that where motorcycling went for riding bikes just went from something that you did and yeah it was part of you growing up like you explained but like you know when it it, it turned where like you ride way more now and it went from doing something that you just did to yeah. the part of who you are. Man, that's fucking, again, these are great questions. Uh, I think I, I, I know exactly when it was. Um, without getting too personal here, I, there was a point in my, in my last relationship uh, that I, when I knew that that was kind of, it was kind of headed to an end. Yeah. And, it's just trying to really do a lot of soul searching. And, um, I wasn't able to really do that at home. You know, I wasn't able to do that at work. Um, what I found, and it was just kind of just by chance is when I, I got on that bike, no matter what kind of mood I was in, I would recognize that when I got home within like 30 minutes, mm-hmm. my mind was clear I wasn't even thinking about that shit. Right. It was just like I had the opportunity to let my subconscious kind of take over and work out the details of what was going on in my personal life and quiet my mind and just allow me to have some peace. Yep. Motor, wind, vibration, scene, scenery, you know, mm-hmm. just like that. Those four elements that you're just in your, you know what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. You know when you get it and you're just in that mode. Yep. And I, and I could tell you. So I, had you know, anytime I'd have like a little hardship at home or, yep. or like a, some hard feelings, right out on the bike, 
and I and I start feeling I start feeling good. Yeah, I just felt great, and and that's it, man. It just was this. It was that, dude. Yeah, it was. Um, it's just. A, yeah. Okay. Know, yeah. Go ahead. No, I know what you mean. Like way my brain is wired, and it's it's like a fucking chihuahua up in there. It's always dude, running. Like always running. Your monkey mind. Yeah, dude. And there's so much shit going on on a bike, like. You have to pay attention to so many little fucking details. You know, like if you miss one little thing, you're fucked, right? Oh, yeah. You don't have the time to think about other uh, shit, huh? Right. But out of all of that chaos, like that's normally what my brain is, like getting on a bike, like you said, it's just peaceful. Dude, it's like out of the chaos, it's like, you know, kind of like the, de- def- I don't know, the definition between meditation and sin. Oh, right? it's very meditative. Right. Very right. meditative. Yeah. And, it's just throughout all that chaos and peace. That's how I get my peace. Dude. Like if I don't ride for a week, dude, I get all fucking cranky and oh, emo. Oh, tell me about and, it, and dude. And all the, all the hard work that I've done in my brain, you know what I mean? It's like... Starts to slip. Yeah. Dude, like <laughs> I, I know. The panic attacks coming on quicker and and that sort of stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. There's been times on a bike where it's sketchy as fuck, dude. But just like i don't know man it's just like dealing with the breakup or loss of a loved one or something like that i mean the more it sucks it's almost the better you feel about it absolutely you know like facing the fear or whatever and just you know when you're out there on the bike you caught in the rain or something dude there there ain't no fucking time out there ain't no turning back no you know what i mean like no nobody's gonna hold your hand and say it's gonna be all right you know, I like look over. You're like, are you gonna be okay? I don't know, man. But we'll get there. You know, that's right. That's right. And it's just like any. I think that you know, the more you hesitate, the more you run from it. I mean, you're gonna win or lose. I mean, that's there's just two options that's out right. there in the world. That's right. Yeah, there's no gray area when and, it comes to that. And so, fucking send it, dude. Like, when in doubt, throttle out. Like, that's right. Yep. <laughs> and boy, what a beautiful ride it is, too. You know, I think that's just one thing to kind of, I don't know, not shifting gears here, but kind of, you know, we talk about where we live. Northern California, man. I know there's probably a lot of biased people out there about, and that may hear this, but, uh, but I think that we are truly in one of the meccas of uh, best writing in the U.S. right here. Not the best, but right, I will right. say it's damn close. It's fucking A, right. And, uh, you know, to live this close to the mountains when we're 30 minutes from yeah. <laughs> hundreds of miles of twisties right. and hills and cool places to stop. And, you know, I mean, shit, dude, we're blessed right. here. <laughs> Just all the history. I mean, you go yeah. from PCH to fucking gold country. Come on, dude. Yeah. Alpine country in the Sierras. Yeah, we got it. We are fucking, we're set. Yeah. And we get to ride 12 months out of the year. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's absolutely. Like, what is it, like 5th of January, 4th of January? Uh-huh. And I rode my motorcycle, go get that dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Michigan. That's right. That's right. I actually prefer the winter season. I know it sounds weird, but man, I, I don't know. This this time of year is robust for me. I love the 
I'd rather bundle up and, uh, you know, put the gauntlets on and be all packed in my leathers uh-huh. and cut down the highway with that fresh fucking air in your face yeah. than to be 110 degrees in a helmet. And, you know, there's only so much gear you can strip off. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying. I man. do. Although I don't bitch. You just got to adjust your ride time, you know, be home yeah. before noon yeah. in the summertime. And I think you'll be okay. You won't burst into flames. Yeah. And I think, you know, spending so much time up in the mountains and snowboarding every day and that sort of stuff, like, I find that, you know, I miss the mountains. I really do. I miss snowboarding every day. Yeah, but, yeah. but because I ride my motorcycle every day, it's still very, it's in the same ballpark. It's part of tasting, it's, right? It's, it's, it's yeah. the same. Similar sensation, similar smells, being outside, the oh. crop, you know, the brother and sisterhood that you get. Um, and the solo freedom of it too mm-hmm. it's a, that's a really good analogy man you know the idea that when we ride our bikes you know we're together yeah. but we're by ourselves yeah the right same we're thing with a fucking snowboard yeah right? right we're six feet apart yeah. Yeah. 65 miles an hour yeah but you got your own music jamming sure. you got your own little trip going on in your head and that's cool man they yeah. similar but, you know, I, I, I'm just blessed. And I always have people always ask me what I do for a living. I say, change your life, man. Rocking right. And, and I did yeah. that. And, you know, I'm, I'm that's I think that was probably one of the biggest compliments that you, I mean, you, I, you give me all the awards and whatever. That's that's great. But to know that, you know, like I took something that can be drying and it's boring and it's clinical and that. But I made it made it real. I'm like, oh, yeah, by the way, this time of year look up the motorcycle windshield chart and everything. Like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, like, right. it up. Like, yeah, dude, it's a 50 degrees. It's going to feel like it's 28 if you're doing 70 miles an hour. Right? Fucking right, bro. Fucking right. And, uh, you know, and I think my biggest thing, too, is to let everybody know that ride your own ride and let it mean what it is it means yes. to you. You know, yes. you're going to you're gonna have all of these influences and all these people up your ass telling you what's cool and what's not and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean... Fuck all that. Nope, but, no. but at the end of the day, dude, ride what you want to ride. And like I said, I tell everybody, wave to everybody, man. Yeah. And wave don't to, yeah, wave to everybody. Yeah, don't let anybody tell you what to think or how to do it or any of that fucking bullshit. You know? you know, and I definitely think that we can tie that back into tattoos and cool. And, you know, I mean, because, you know, there is a feeling of belonging to a specific I don't know if tribe's the right word or brotherhood and sisterhood. I think it's family, family if you will, you know, family, yeah. I mean, I think people with tattoos, they feel like they can, you know, if you are out and you encounter another human being, you see they got tattoos. Well now, and I have tattoos. Now I've got it. Something I can instantly talk to them about. Yeah. And at a minimum, you get the nod. Yeah. The nod or the yeah. acknowledgement. Hey, brother, hey, sister, <laughs> right. you've been through what I've been through. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Same way with uh, the wave. Talk about that for a second. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people really know what that means. You, uh, yeah. So it's not a hello. In a way, it is. Um, Yeah, so the wave, it's more of an acknowledgement of, hey, brother, hey, sister, keep safe, keep on the road. 
There you go. You know what oh, I mean? Get like, home safe. Get home safe. I respect you. Keep the shiny side down. That's hope you're right. on a good ride. It ends up being whatever it ends up being. And yeah. you know, have you ever heard the history of where the wave originated Tell me from? that. Let's see, that's kind of what I, I want to prompt this. So from, talk to my that. understanding where the wave comes from, it comes from two, two separate school of thoughts, right? So the first one, it goes all the way back to medieval times and knights on their horses, right? So you know how the knights had all their armor and uh-huh. the um, and their helmets. And so what they would do is when they would pass each other, they'd take the two fingers and push their visors up so they could see each other's eyes, right? Uh-huh. As they're coming, coming through. Um it, it kind of evolved from there and, and, you know, horses and all that kind of stuff. But then there's where it started to really become popular is uh, back after World War II and all the GIs that, that would come back from being in the war because how motorcycles really affected our ability to win World War II. And, right. And how we um, embraced them after World and how War II. We, you know, yeah. and all the GIs that were over there fell in love with riding motorcycles. And so they would come back and then they would, you know, it was like, not only do I see you riding on the bike, but if you're riding on the bike, I bet you were over there in the war too. And, you know, just the amount of people and, you know, like 48, 49, 50, that sort of stuff. And then, you know, all of that, but I'm pretty sure from what I've read, that's where the, the wave comes from. It's cool, man. Yeah. Very cool. There's two S's in Davidson, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Senior. How you feeling? Hey, man. You ready to rock? Let's do it. Ding, ding, round two. No, man, you do such a good work with those fine lines, straight lines. Like, you know, I really appreciate that. I will well, get the one on there. It's funny, I know I have to have glasses because I don't get my arm inside of my arm and without my glasses. I'm like, oh, this is all like, I just run to get all that fast. So I put my glasses on. I'm like, man, oh, this shit is still right. fucking on point. <laughs> Damn straight. Yeah. That's how we do, bro. Ain't no time for shitty tattoos. Do you miss uh, tattooing the coil machine? No. <laughs> Not at all, right? No, I will say this though, man. There's definitely a place in this world for coil machines, but uh, but no, I don't miss that at all, bro. It's um, here's the thing, you know. There are, I believe personally, that there are things you can do with a coil machine that you just can't do with a, with a rotary machine. Yeah, like what? Like elaborate. Um, I believe that certain black and gray tattoos, and I know that people do some head shakers, but those would be the people that probably haven't used coil machines can say that. But um, I think that the use of a back spring, an armature bar, the whole the whole mechanism and the mechanics of a coil machine is dynamic to giving a certain kind of tattoo. Right. And I think the way in which it, and I'll say this, man, like, I'm going to put a name out there that I feel is like, you know, an amazing machine builder, Mike Godfrey. Right. Uh, 
I don't know a lot of people who know this is, but the right people know who he is. Right. And he's up in Oregon, and uh, he's just fucking a badass. My God. And uh, he makes these machines in the way in which it's a whole dynamic without getting into the science of it. There's just how the, the the limited trauma that the penetration of a of a coil machine can make to the skin upon the penetration and then the exiting and the fact that that spring kind of it's, I don't even know how to really explain it. You just can't mimic that with a coil machine as much as they all want to brag that you can. Right. You fucking can't. And so um, coil machines, I've seen some tattoos just heal so good. You know, and I'll say Jeff Goldway, he tattooed me. Uh, he tattooed me with both a coil and with a rotary machine. And I got to tell you that his tattoos just heal magnificently anyways, but... When he tattooed me with that coil machine, man, I gotta tell you, it was, um, it was pleasant. I was like, you know, I can use that word, and then I'd say the heel was noticeably faster. Right. Noticeably faster. So, yeah, man, I just, yeah. But for me, the job that I do and the type of tattooing that I do, um, I prefer the, the rotary machine uh, because... I don't have to spend a bunch of additional time in a day setting my machine up, uh, you know, sanding, readjusting the spring, and, you know, you're into an eight-hour piece and you've made, you know, five adjustments to your machine, right. four or five adjustments, just to keep the thing running the same as it did, and it never will, it's right. the same as when you started tattooing that day, because like any machine, it breaks down. Um, but with rotaries, you know, and, and again, I'm not a, I'm not opposed to tattooing with a coil machine. I just think when you want to sit down and start working, right, and have the consistency the same day in and day out, mm-hmm. a rotary is a natural. It's just a natural choice for that. That's it. That was one of the rites of passage of being an apprentice. Oh yeah, building your own machine. Right? I built a swing gate. Yeah, uh, spalding. Swing gate machine. Uh, my teacher was Sean Dolly. Is he's still he's still around? Tattooing, badass motherfucker out of uh, Carson City, Nevada. He owns Hooligans Inc. and he is a tremendous dude, tremendous dad, crusty old biker fuck too. And I love him. He gave me skills to pay the bills. All right. Alright, so this is nice one. This is two similar but different questions. Oh, two-parter. Two-parter. Alright, cool. So, still staying on the topic of tattoos and that sort of stuff. Uh-huh. Let's say, you know, someone came to you or if you could, what would be, let's say, five things that you would advise somebody brand new that's looking into getting on the tattoo? Oh, yeah, all the good questions, huh? Yeah. And it may not be something that simple, oh, but that's cool. No, just... it's very simple. Yeah. I think the number, and, you know, and this obviously will change from person to person, but I personally think that the thing that you really want to get into tattooing, you better know how to draw well, right. you better be into painting. You don't have to be really good at it, right. but you have to 
do it consistently. Um, and I will say that watercolor is my choice because I feel like it's the most light tattooing. Right. But any kind of medium, you need sure. to be doing art all the time. Right. And I want to say, before you even approach, and here's the next part to this, you know, so it would be part two of that would be is to find a teacher you... You don't just go and fucking buy something on Amazon and start chopping away at your boys at home while your parents are gone. Or, you know what I'm saying, man. Right, yeah, come yeah, on, yeah. man. Show the industry respect. Um, you look online, you go to shops, you look at books, and you find somebody whose style that you really admire, that you're like, wow, that's, that's something right there. That's, I want to do that. Right. Then you take all of your art that you've drawn over years and you put it all together. Not a fucking tablet, none of that. You want to hand your artist, your potential teacher, a portfolio that has authentic paintings. Not a picture of a painting. Right. Not a picture of a drawing, but the fucking drawing themselves. They can hold it in their hand and look at your lines. Yep. They can look at your brush strokes. They can look at your color usage and blending. They can, you can show them, hey, I'm worthy of your time. I'm not going to waste your fucking time. Right, right. Just being an apprentice that it doesn't have what it takes to be a true artist. Sure. And there are tattooers uh-huh. and there are tattoo artists. Understood. I'm going to pause and I'm going to I'm going to put a really bold statement out there right now because I have nothing to hide at this point in my career. I've done any time in my career, but I will say that with my love of music and opening my own shop, <laughs> you know, uh, at thirty, right? <laughs> you know, uh, I didn't always play by that. I didn't. I, I didn't continue my art career as much as I would have liked to or should have. Understood. And, I, and, I, and I, in a lot of ways, I feel like I've maybe, it's been a stumbling block a little bit for me sometime with color usage. I think it work. Right. You know, however, these guys out there that uh, they paint and do it all the time and you know, uh, we just lost an amazing artist and painter here recently, Harley Haslam. He would, you know, this guy was a machine for fucking art. Right. And he tattooed and raised a daughter, had a family, you know. Right. So when you say I don't have the time, it's bullshit. Right. Harley had the time. Right. And he inspired all of us by, you'll see some of his art in the hallway. Right. I have his back, I mean, my whole back is a back piece by him, with the exception of a piece by uh, another artist, Andrew Collins. And, uh, but yeah, man, I mean, that's it. You, you embrace, you embrace it. It's not a lifestyle. It's not a, it's not a, the way you dress. It's not a, the kind of music you listen to or the, or the people you hang around. It's, it's, it's an individual ride. Like when we, yeah. when we cycle, man, uh-huh. you ride your own ride. Yeah. You know, and in art, it's the same way, man. You're not doing anything wrong if your hands moving, you're making right. colors, you're, uh-huh. you're pushing color around. You know, you're you're staying involved. You're riding your own ride. You're you're staying. You're keeping your skill set up, and I think right. that that's the biggest thing I can recommend to anybody going into this industry is that make sure you fucking love to draw, right? Love to paint. That you're willing to put the time and hours in. 
after you, you, you get off the clock to, to put the time in to, to continue to grow, man. And, and again, I'm almost ashamed to say that I, I shortcut some of that stuff because I was running a business, because I was in a band, I was doing yeah. all this other shit, when in reality, I should have sat down with, you know, Aaron O'Dell, yeah. Jess O'Lane, Harley Haslam, okay? right. these, are these amazing local artists, these people are all Sacramento, yeah, you know yeah. who they are, uh, but they put the fucking time in, man, uh, Brandon Bracamonte, um, these guys just... These guys live it every day. They they paint, draw, uh, do extra different kinds of mediums. They stay fresh, and that shit really shows in their tattooing, man. It shows. So that's it. Draw, paint, come up with a good portfolio, and make sure that you take it into a person. You dress fucking nice, brush your fucking teeth, wear clean clothes. I know this all sounds fucking silly, but man, the people that come in for a fucking apprenticeship, I don't want to look at pictures on your phone of tattoos that you've done on your boys while you're drinking a six pack. In fact, most times, I will probably just have you leave the shop because that shows me that you, now I've got all these, I've got all these things that I've got to correct in you now. Right. I've got to, I've got to get that out of you before I can get you on the starting blocks. Yep. And uh, so that's that. Number three. Don't hesitate. Don't. Uh, it, it, it makes sure that you make sure that you just pour your heart into it, man. If you, if you don't, if you don't love what you do, if you feel like you're in your apprenticeship and you're standing over your your uh, your mentor's shoulder for seven, eight, nine hours a day, watching him lay down color and keeping your fucking mouth shut. If you don't love that then just don't do it. Just tell me, tell your mentor, hey, you keep my first deposit. I, I don't want to waste your time anymore. Right. They'll understand. In fact, it, most of them will appreciate it. But, you know, be honest with yourself. If you can't see yourself doing that, my legs hurt. Oh, I'm, like, I'm bored. I'm on my phone. You know, if you're, if, if you're not able to do that, then don't even waste the industry's time in putting, putting yourself out there like, you know, just so you could say you are. Right. Oh, I'm a tattooer. Sure. No, no, you're not really. I used to tattoo. You like people that say, yeah, yeah, yeah. hey, unless you're missing a fucking limb, I don't want to hear, I used to tattoo, right? Yeah. That's you need to do, do shit, dude. You're, you'll be a tattooist. That's right. Either you are or you are not. Until you die. Until you die. That's right. The, the, the way to say it would be is I don't tattoo as much as I would like to anymore. Yeah. But not I used to tattoo. That just reminds me of Talladega uh, uh, Nights. Yeah. I'm an amateur tattoo artist and a stock car driver. It's like, <laughs> fucking, what the fuck? I used to breathe. You know what I mean? Like, come on. Say again? Oh, right. I used to breathe. Exactly. Yeah, that's it, man. So, uh, so again, you know, be honest with yourself and your teacher about it. Um, and then um, continued education, man. You know, in the meantime, there's going to be a hundred different people telling you a hundred different ways how to do things. Excuse me. I don't know you, so fuck off. Um, don't go into an apprenticeship thinking that you know anything. Don't say, oh, I've watched, you know, 200 hours of YouTube and now I've got it figured out. I don't mean to sound 
stuff like this, but man, the premises. Everybody thinks they know, and it's like you don't know. Until your teacher shows you how to know, right? then you don't know. Yep. And even until you start to do it, you won't know. Uh-huh. So that's another thing. It's just, you know, just shut up. Keep your mouth shut. Keep your eyes open and pay attention to everything. Take fucking notes. It's part of learning any good thing is like note-taking, you know, and how did, what did he do? And, and, you know, how was he approaching that line? And what color, how did he blend those colors? That looks really cool. Take write that shit down, man. I don't know. That's um, no, all good stuff. If I wanted five. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to get four. I mean, yeah, I think five would be. What would you say about the business side of things? Just because you know how to tattoo doesn't mean you know how to run a business. Let's be, let's be clear about that. You know, um, the business side of things, I I personally feel like that uh, small part of it, maybe others might have a different feeling, but I think that. As long as you're willing to ask the questions, that your teacher will give you this information. Sure. But not asking, I don't feel like they're just going to pony up with it. Here's how to do it. Right. You got to ask those questions because honestly, you you taught them or you hired them to teach you how to tattoo, not how to run a business. Sure. However, if you build a good enough relationship and you're a good apprentice, I think any teacher would want you to know because you're a reflection of them. And how you run your business, I think, and who you are as an artist, mm-hmm. you will directly re- it will reflect on that. Gotcha. So that's uh, it, that's man. cool, man. Yeah. So let me ask you this: like with the, you know, technology and all that type of stuff. But I know it's a good tool. But you see a lot of, you know, and especially with like AI coming out and all that type of stuff, and just oh, and, and tablet drawings and that sort of stuff. I mean, I don't think they can give. Do you think some of the traditionalist or the the art of the art, I want to say, yeah. is getting lost in technology? Absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's that's a fantastic question. And I think that as much as it is eco-friendly and all of this to, to you know use your tablets, I feel like there's nothing more necessary than a pencil and a piece of paper. Right. And the, the, that drag, that feeling that you feel when you're drawing on a piece of paper yeah. is nothing like what you feel when you're drawing on a tablet. Right. But it is more like when you're tattooing, the drag from the skin as you're pulling a line. Yeah. It's a little bit, you know, it's more than it is on pencil and paper, but it is dramatically more than it is on a tablet. You know, that sure. slick surface and your plastic pen and you're moving it around. Hey, I, I get that. But again, take the time once, even if you do it once a week, man, tear a piece of paper off and fucking draw. Draw something cool, paint. Right. But, but do it, you know, do it uh, non digital. Right, I always tell when it comes to like bikes and technology, all this shit is really, really good, but I always tell people to not let technology substitute for technique. That's exactly great way of putting it, man. Great. You know, and like I think you need to learn on something that's as analog as possible. Yes, yes. You know, and I think that, you know, whether the equipment is allowing people, and this isn't anything specific, because you see this in snowboards or motorcycles or whatever. Right, right. It's letting people bypass the, 
I don't want to call it the rules of the game. <laughs> but I know it what you're saying. It yeah. kind of gives you a pathway, like a, a fast track. You're shortcutting like, it. Yeah. A little, a little powered up star. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know? Yeah, I agree with that, man. I mean, you know, and it's funny, like, it all basically, you know, from what you were just saying, it comes back to putting the time and the work in and, and practicing the fundamentals, man, because without the, if your fundamentals aren't good, right? And that's where sometimes I think sometimes uh, technology will give you a false sense of uh, security or of achievement because you're getting stuff that, you know, would take a master hours yeah. and hours to do so so quick, you know? Absolutely. I, I, I like my tablet and I'm, I'm primarily a digital artist at this point of the game yeah, right? but it's from what I'm doing I still it still all comes from sketches on napkin yeah yeah right you, you know? just a little uh, idea okay what am I going to do here mm-hmm. um yeah But you know, it's, it's it's so funny because if you were to ask me, like, if I was to give somebody five things, you know, like five things to know before you come take your motorcycle, take you yeah, right? before yeah. you even start the. Yeah, I guess I could ask the same you question. Know? Tell me. And uh, so the first one is, man, it's like you need to decide to go all in. Like this is, I mean, it's cool to take a course to see if it's something that you like or whatever but if you're just coming into it just to see if you would like it go do something else like I I honestly I honestly you know and you could think that you want to do something until you get in there until you do it if you decide like hey fuck this dude no way this is way gnarlier than I thought it was going to be good I'm glad that you came and you tried it in a safe environment and and all that. And there is zero shame. Like, I've had people come through class that were fucking rock stars. I'm like, you're going to be a really good rider. I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to ride anymore ever again. And it's just like, I'm like, well, why? Was it that bad? He's like, no. I just realized I was not aware of how much shit went into this. <laughs> and yeah, I'm, no it, but I'm not. I don't think I'm willing to put my life on the line for this. Oh. Like, like, you know, I'm like, all right, so that's cool. No, I'm just kidding. Right. I'm just but, kidding. Yeah, I'm right. totally kidding. But I mean, it goes down to like, if you're learning, if you want to go take a class, you mm-hmm. know that it's going to cost you. In addition to the course, like, go buy your own fucking helmet. Oh, okay. Buy your own gloves. Oh, jeez. Number one, but it's still fucking someone else's helmet, right? Like, you wouldn't wear somebody else's chonies oh, or socks, you know? I mean, normally you gotta kind of pay extra for that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, you know, like, uh, but by doing that, by buying a helmet, you're already committed to the process, right? Now, you may decide that you can always get rid of it when you're done, but this isn't just something to do on a whim, right? No, so, no. It's not a fair weather thing. Like, uh-huh. oh, yeah. Right? And also kind of know, like, start, uh, so many people come in, like, oh, well, I didn't expect it to be 110 degrees. I'm like, we, how long do you live in Sacramento in August, dude? Duh. Right? Or it's going to be raining. Well, fucking check the weather, right? But be prepared, hydrate, mm-hmm. fuel yeah. yourself up. And my, one of my biggest kicks lately, and I don't have to kick, but just philosophies. Because when we ride, dude, we got to go into it with an athletic mentality, like an athlete. Like, we are the highest level athlete that we can be. Fuck it, right. Right? Like, not only that. It's physical. It, it, it's physical. Mental. Mental. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you think it's spiritual, right? And if you think what an athlete does, on, let's say a football player on a Sunday, yeah, yeah. they're on the field for three hours. Fuck yeah. Right? 
how much preparation went in to doing that or a World Cup ski or whatever like that. The amount, like they're on the, they're, they're, their run is a minute long, but they spent the entire year training for that minute. That one minute. That's right. right. That's right. Mentally, physically, you can go to diet, you can go to exercise. Even if you've been on the couch for 20 years mm-hmm. or you ain't done shit, you know, like do something basic, like go to the gym, you know, I'm not, I'm not you, you don't have to go walk. <laughs> yeah. Take a fucking, take your dog for a walk. Dude. Like right. do something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, and I think it, what you touched on too is respect your coach, respect your teacher. Yes. Right. And go to some, go learn from a professional for sure. Right. Yes. Just because I mean, your boy, your dad, whatever. I mean, you can learn from people. Yeah. But like, I wouldn't like. I want to learn from a professional. Right. Your classes like, are invaluable. There's no amount of anybody that's been writing for any amount of time could never put together all that. You know, in a, in a single stage writing, right? You gotta, you gotta, yeah. I totally agree, right? And I'm sure you've seen this too. Whether you know, just being a musician or whatever, you're gonna have people that are talented that aren't necessarily the best coaches in the whole wide world. That's right. You know, um, but everybody's gonna kind of tell you the same thing. But you just gotta put the work in too. You know, like you did not just get up there and be able to. You know, play the bass solo on uh, for whom the bell tolls. No, it's out of the get go, right? I mean, how many hours and hours and hours have you played chords? Right. You know, a fuck ton. Yep. And without the fundamentals, all the rest of your shit goes out the window, right? That's right. And you know, be. I think also just be present in the moment, dude. Stuff put yes. your away. God damn. No right. one cares. No one cares. Put your fucking right. This shit down. isn't for. I mean, it's cool on Instagram and that sort of stuff, but it's not. Not for Instagram. No, it's not. You know, just like music or fucking tattoos and all this. This is this is real, dude. It's real life. Oh, it's real. <laughs> Permanent. You know, like I don't know. Go in with an open mind. Listen to your instructors. They're there for a reason. You know what I mean? And if you don't vibe with them and their style of teaching, then there's somebody out there that that is. Yeah, take another course. Right. And I do believe that there are certain bikes that we are better for beginners, or I just like to call them new riders and stuff like that. But don't let anybody tell you what your cool is. Fuck no. You know, like, and this this really goes out to the lady riders out there. Don't let some fucking douchebag do that. Tell you what to do or how to ride your bike. There's tons of those dudes too. Yeah, <laughs> so man. It's like, like come up. on, bro. Yeah, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> because it, 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 it's there's, I guess when it comes to riding, like there's only a few things can go. The bike can go stop, shift, and turn. Outside of that, bikes haven't really changed fundamentally in 120 some years. No. But it's so subjective and. I just, I just remember when I first started getting out on the road, how nervous I was to, to go around. Like, oh yeah, to, to go around real bikers. It was traffic too. Oh, so like I remember the first three vibrations I went through. Like, am I fucking cool enough on my little Yamaha here? <laughs> and then I was like, as as all that stuff, I'm like, now that I, I feel like I've kind of graduated, if you will, or leveled up as a rider or whatever. Really? My uh, perspective has changed, and all that stuff I was worried about it, it doesn't fucking matter. Ah. 
It doesn't. You're on two fucking wheels. I was talking about you wrong with you, bro, dude. Wrong with you, bro. There you go. And fucking coolest motorcycles, whatever you ride, dude. Yeah, it's because it's yours. Uh huh. It's your, it's your transport. It's your fucking. It's your jam. Yeah, I mean, you're the one that's stuck inside your helmet the whole time. Fucking right. Who cares what fuck what anybody else thinks, man? Yeah, I think pay attention, man. Show your, show your teacher, whoever you are in your class, man. If I can show them the respect of being present, you know, like you said, mentally, just pay attention, man. And you owe it to yourself and everybody else out there, that girl that you put on the back. You owe it to them to, to not fucking, you, you need to learn yeah. everything you can, man. We appreciate you taking the time to stop by and listen to what we had to say. And hopefully you found something that you connected with. If there's anything that you would like to talk about, please reach out to us and we'd be stoked to connect with you and talk about motorcycling. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss out on any of the radness that is still to come. Remember to ride fast and take chances. And thank you for listening to the Soul Motorcycling Podcast.